Are you the quantum mechanics? Yes, we are the Quantum Mechanics, the paranormal podcast for the believers, the doubters, and everybody in between. I've got to say, I, I was just confessing to Ben. Ben bought me this lovely bottle of wine for Christmas called Old Ghost, I think it was. Was that was Old it? Ghost? Yes. Yes, obviously, you know, because it's got a kind of a paranormal name. And it was a really lovely bottle of wine. You can tell, can't you? They're quite heavy and the tops are quite good. Um, (laughs) I I thought I'll sneak that away for a special occasion. Maybe me and Ben can share it. And then I realised on Thursday that I'd run out of wine. So um, <laughs> I cracked it open and it was amazing. Thank you very much, Ben. But I did feel a bit guilty about just, you know, cooking, drinking with it rather than kind of saving it for a special occasion. But I enjoyed it immensely. Thank you. Oh, no, not at all. I'm hoping that because um, it's American, I was wondering whether any of our American listeners have come across Old Ghost. Yeah. Yeah, let us know. Send us a crate. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean it like that, yeah, but yeah. I mean, that was the worst appeal ever, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm no Bob Geldof. <laughs> well, I don't know if it was the wine, Ben, but as often happens when I'm putting together an episode, it started with me researching something else and then coming across the amazing true story I want to focus on today. It's weird how that happens, isn't it? It is. It's funny how, like, the... Um, The shelf elves get involved. Yeah, the shelf elves, definitely. Now, for anyone who is interested in the paranormal, supernatural or the spiritual, it's definitely worth a listen to this episode because it is a cautionary tale, I would say. It's from a book called An Encounter with Invisible People and it's written by someone called Mohammed Taslim. Now, I thought I'd start by reading you part of the prologue to give you a teaser of what's in store. Okay. Sound like a good start? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Let's get into it. Taslim describes his book as an intriguing story of my encounter with invisible people. This story will give you shrill and force you to sit and wonder what lies in this world and beyond. Got me attention? Yes, yes. Uh, Brace down to take a journey never taken before. Unleashing for you a story gravely real, a tale of shamans, fortune tellers, faith healers, and to the godman, who are so-called mediums and connectors between worlds. So Ben, this book is a first-person account of the author's dealings with a shaman, stroke medium, Mm -hmm. in his home country of India. Okay. Now the shaman's name is Mr Jabba. Though sometimes he's known as Baba, sometimes Big Boss, sometimes Bard Sihib. Now I'll go deeper into that as the story unfolds. Now the book is written and self-published by the author Taslim. I would say it seems like without the help of a ghostwriter or editor. Okay. <laughs> I see you're being kind. Yes, which makes it an interesting first-person account. But I would say that the writing does suffer a little for not having an editor and possibly because Taslim is not writing in or has translated it into his second language of English. So at times it's quite difficult to follow what is exactly going on, but I've done my best to distill the essence of the story. Okay. It's also worth pointing out that the book has been written with the approval of the shaman involved I got a feeling partly out of fear of some kind of retribution, which we'll get into. Um, So at times, I guess I'll be reading between the lines and giving my view of what I think is going on. 
So if you stick with that and bear that in mind. I will. Now, to provide some background, the author and his family seem reasonably well off. I guess we'd probably describe them as middle class. Mm -hmm. Taslim was a general manager at Coal India and has a law degree. And the whole thing starts with a conversation between Taslim, the author, and his brother. Now, his brother tells him about a man he knows who's got special powers. Taslim is intrigued and asked to meet the man, and he decides to set him a test. Taslim writes ten questions on a piece of paper, but hands the man a blank piece of paper instead. The man then reads out and answers the questions as if he'd been given the original piece of paper. So it's, you know, it's this mystical start, right? That's very peculiar. That's that's sort of um, a great way of showing your abilities right from the outset. Yeah, and there's a lot of that coming up. Right. That encounter leads to Taslim meeting the man, stroke shaman, known as Mr Jabber. And what seems to me a complex scam unfolds. One which results in Taslim and some of his friends handing over large sums of money and being exploited in other ways. It begins to ramp up when Taslim and his wife start suffering from pain, in weirdly, both in their left knee. They seek medical advice, but the doctors can't find anything wrong. Taslim's brother suggests the pain may be connected to some kind of black magic. Possibly someone has put a curse on them, and he puts Taslim in touch with Mr Jabber, a spiritual man who might be able to help. Hmm. Now, this leads to the first of many meetings between Taslim and Mr Jabber. And again, more magic coming up here, I would say. The first encounter with Jabber involves what seemed to me a basic magic trick. Mr Jabber gives Taslim a bunch of black thread and asks him to hold it in his hand. After a few minutes, Mr Jabber takes the thread and measures Taslim with it from head to toe. The string is then cut to show the measurements. Mr Jabber tries the measurement again, but this time the string is smaller. It only reaches Taslim's forehead. So Mr Jabber basically said, oh, this is a bad sign, and that he'll have to come to Taslim's house to do more work in order to cure his ills. But Mr Jabber also says he's very busy, but he will try and make the time. Now, Ben, throughout reading this book... And it's probably the main feature of what I want to talk about in more detail today. I was struck by the subtle and at times not so subtle psychological techniques that Mr Jabber employs. So in this example, he creates this feeling that something magical or out of place has happened with the string becoming smaller. Said it needs more investigation and then hints he might be too busy to come to Taslim's home. Uh, okay, so he's making him nervous from the outset. Yeah, well, I, I think the, I think this ends up having the desired psychological effect. Taslim is worried that there is something spiritually wrong or someone's put a curse on him, and he becomes desperate to get Mr Jabber to come to his house. And over the next few days, Taslim's brother phones Mr Jabber, trying to get him to come. This is an interesting bit of psychology as well, Ben. At first, Mr Jabber says he doesn't remember meeting them at all. <laughs> <laughs> but finally agrees after some persuasion that he will come. When Mr Jabber eventually comes to Taslim's house, there's some more measuring with string goes on. There's a lot of measuring with string in this story. 
And then Mr. Jabber says, I've come here by hired vehicle. I'll have to pay 7,000 rupees to the driver. And this is the first time that Taslim is asked for money. And he gives Mr. Jabber the 7,000 rupees, which is about $85 US. Okay, yeah, not insignificant. No, small start, maybe. Um, as we go on, I'm just, I'm not going to mention rupees. I'm just going to um, phrase it as dollars because I think it's easier for, yeah. for people to kind of understand how much we're talking about. Two other things are introduced at this meeting. Firstly, Mr. Jabber informs them that he is not the shaman or the healer, that that is someone he refers to as Big Boss. Secondly, there's this weird kind of system that's introduced. Taslim has to raise what is described as a ticket. Taslim needs to write down what he wants on a piece of paper. Mr Jabber will then take this ticket to Big Boss, who will decide whether he takes the case or not. Right. This is very much like um, a sort of a, a window salesman. I'll have to phone the boss to see if I can get a discount. It's that sort of yeah, yeah, psychology, exactly. right? Yeah, yeah. Now, it doesn't explicitly say in the book, but it definitely hints that there was a fee for raising a ticket and a further payment if your ticket is approved. So, again, I guess that's another psychological trick of making it, one, feel official, and B, well, there's a cost to raising this ticket. and You know what I mean? Yeah. You can see how it starts. So, over the next few days, Taslim calls Mr Jabber on numerous occasions to find out what's happening with his ticket. When he finally speaks to Jabber, he's told that Mr Jabber doesn't want to push Big Boss on the issue, as Jabber is afraid of Big Boss and he might get angry. Again, some interesting psychology goes on with these conversations. You know, firstly, Mr Jabber says Big Boss doesn't want to approve the ticket, which kind of makes Taslin want him more, right? Mm. And then Jabber says it might be easier if he and potentially Big Boss come and visit Taslin again at his home. And, yeah, as you can probably imagine, Taslim ends up forking out for train tickets for both of them. Right, right. So just with all of this, what, what time scale are we talking? Because um, vehicles and modern money, this is something that happened in the recent past. Yeah, this is very recent, yes. Yeah, I would say in the last 10 or 15 years. I see. So the next day, Mr Jabber arrives at Taslim's home alone. So there's no big boss in tow. They have dinner Jabber tells him more about how difficult Big Boss can be and, again, more psychology. Oh, it can take two years for tickets to get signed off. And Mr Jabber ends up staying the night. And the next morning, Taslim sees Jabber writing and drawing symbols on some paper and talking in a strange voice. Jabber turns to Taslim and says, "'Your wife has fallen twice from a rickshaw. "'Once she got an injury in her ankle "'and then she sprained her left wrist.' She's constantly coughs, but her blood test is normal. Now, this was all true, and Mr Jabber says, with God's grace, she can be cured. So these conversa- the conversations then change to general chit-chat, and then there's this weird bit where suddenly Mr Jabber almost shouts, Big Boss is coming! Mr Jabber disappears off to the guest room, and when he returns, his demeanour and voice has changed. <laughs> he turns to Taslims oh. and says, You were asking about me? I am Big Boss. God told me to do your work, so I'm going to do your work. Otherwise, I help others through my men. But God ordered me to do your work, 
then I had no choice but to work it personally. After lunch, send him, referring to Mr Jabber, to Ansel Station. He will go to Montepoor, where we will open your file in the office. Then he will go to Calcutta. When your file opens, then I will ask my men to check your house. Then I will know the facts. I will inform you as well. I will explain to you how I will complete this work. With that, Big Boss changes back into Mr Jabber. (laughs) Mr Jabber then leaves and Taslim, as the pattern seems to be going, gives him money for his travel expenses to get home. So weird, right? This it's the same guy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's. I suppose at this point, what is the expectation from the the client here, Taslin? Is he thinking this guy is channeling somebody, or yeah, that at that point, that is the impression I get that that he thought Mister Jabber is channeling, um, or I guess from a skeptic's perspective. A, pretending to channel the person or entity known as Big Boss. Right, okay. Now, what I found completely fascinating as you read the book is how Taslim interacts with Jabber and Big Boss, who are essentially the same person. As the story develops, Taslim almost develops a more, I guess, conversational relationship with Mr Jabber. I wouldn't go as far as to call them friends, but, you know, they're close to having a friendship. Mm. However, when Jabba transforms into Big Boss, Taslim also changes. He becomes more respectful, timid, reverential, you know, almost compliant. It's so weird to read. Um, And that's used really cleverly by Mr Jabba. Taslim mostly speaks to Jabba, but it sees when Taslim has sceptical thoughts or asserts himself... Jabba miraculously transforms into Big Boss, right? <laughs> and that, that spell goes back over him, does it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's definitely a different way of interacting. I think the fact that it's mostly Jabba and kind of Big Boss's appearance sees are, you know, intermittent, I think that also helps the grift in a way. Do you know what I mean? Mm-mm. So there are more delays in getting Taslim's ticket signed off. You know, this you were oh, I'd almost forgotten it by this point. The one to find a cure for Taslim's and his wife's pain, their knee pain. Often Jabba complains to Taslim how difficult Big Boss is to pin down and deal with. Um, when Boss eventually materialises again, he basically says that in order for this ticket to get signed off and a cure to happen it's important that Taslim and his family need to give some money to charity. Not just any charity, Ben. (laughs) Can you imagine? The charity of Big Boss. Of course, the charity of Big Boss, yes. And I bet he doesn't rescue cats, does he? (laughs) No. Now, Taslim calculates the sum, which has to reflect all his family members, which totals 22 people. Oh, my God. He ends up giving Big Boss just over $600 at this point. It's testing him, isn't it? He's like, how much can I go? Where can I go? If he believes 600, he's going to believe 1,000. Yeah, exactly, exactly. The next morning, Mr Jabber arrives with some long black nails and says that Big Boss will be there tomorrow. So more travel expenses are paid. And that's fascinating. It's basically the same guy. He arrives one day with some nails and says, oh, look after these. Big Boss will be here tomorrow. Same guy comes back the next day, but in this persona of Big Boss. 
Big Boss arrives the next day, performs some kind of ceremony and hammers nails into the doorframe and windows of Taslim's house. He basically says this is for their protection and they will find and destroy the person who has cursed them. So he's putting <laughs> this seed in their mind that they have been cursed. Glenn, what is so bizarre is Big Boss does this work, but it, as you're reading the book, it describes him as then disappearing, which basically means it's Big Boss performs the ritual, then transforms back into Mr Jabber, Mr. Jabber then basically goes on about how brilliant and talented Big Boss is. Wasn't it amazing to meet him? You know, all this kind of stuff is going on. So, hang on. So when he refers in the title of the book to invisible people, is this what he means? This is what he means. But again, I think this, uh, again, for a, for a critique of the book, the difficult bit about it, it takes quite a while into the book before he makes that revelation that it's the same person. So I, I took me and, you know, a few reads and going back and forward, it's like, so sorry, is this, is this two people? Are two people turning up at his house? It's only later he reveals that it's the same person. But it, it's not edited or written in a way that makes that very clear. So it's a tough read in that sense. Right, okay. Now, remember, at this point, Taslim's not had a cure for his dodgy knee. But the scam takes a different turn. Taslim is told that Big Boss has been contacted by Taslim's dead mother and asked Taslim if he wants to meet and talk to her. Taslim makes a $550 contribution to make this happen. Right, so by now he's spent northwards of $1,300. Yeah, more, I think, because he doesn't go into detail about how much the ticket costs to raise and, and Oh, yes, of course, off. yes, yes. Okay, so he's in for probably somewhere between fifteen and two grand. okay. Yeah, and then more comes because he meets his mother, which is basically Mr Jabber pretending to be his mother, and then, you know, Jabber then brings in his dead father and says, do you want to speak to him? There's these other relatives, do you know what I mean? So... It doesn't. It's not clear, but I'm assuming every time a new person appear, another payment is made, right? Mm, mm-hmm. Now, from the dialogue, I deduce that Mr. Jabber uses some cold reading techniques during these sessions and some clever detective work because he seems to know family details such as the nicknames that yeah Taslim's mother would call him and. You know, and I guess if you're on the receiving end of that, it makes the whole thing feel more legitimate. I guess like a a dodgy medium, performance medium, who may have private detectives go and check out your your background before you know a show. Right. Now at this point, I guess with Jabber realizing he's onto a good thing, things start to get weirder for Taslim. Now remember, he's got a good job working at Coal India. And Jabber and Big Boss become very interested in Coal India and start asking Taslim if he can arrange for people to get jobs there. Huh. Now, Taslim says it's not possible, but this culminates in this really strange scene where Taslim is asked to come to Mr Jabber's house. He arrives and there's a bunch of people sitting on the lawn. Taslim is told to tell the people how to get a job at Coal India. Oh, no. He pushes back a bit and says that he can't arrange for anyone to get a job there. 
But Jabber and Big Boss insist all he needs to do is talk about what a great company it is and how Taslim got his job there. And Taslim agrees to do this. Like business coaching type of thing then. Yeah, what later transpires though, Ben, and there's a bit of reading between the lines from me here, but what it seems is Mr Jabber may have told these men that if they give him some money, he will get them a job at Coal India. Uh, Yes, of course, that makes sense. Now, Taslim, as a senior employee of the company, comes and gives a speech. I guess he's unwittingly legitimising the scam, right? Of course he is. Of course he is, yes. Yes, he doesn't need to promise to give them a job. Like, he's already... the the Yes, part of it has already been fulfilled, and yeah. probably more money is forthcoming before the scam proves to be a scam. Yeah, exactly. Right. One of the most confusing bits in the book, and I'm not sure what to make of it even now is an incident that involves Taslim's son, who lives in St. Petersburg. Now, it's not clear which St. Petersburg, but given it mentions dollars, I'm assuming it's St. Petersburg in Florida rather than in Russia. Yeah. Taslim gets this call from Mr. Jabber saying that Big Boss wants to speak to him and that he will put him on the phone. So, effectively, Jabber changes his voice into Big Boss and tells Taslim that his dead mother has something she needs to tell him, and then he puts her on. So I assume Jabba then changes his voice to Taslim's mother or whatever (laughs) voice he uses to channel that. Oh, no. Now, she basically tells him that his son in St. Petersburg will find a purse with a lot of dollars in it, that his son will be approached by a woman in desperate need who will ask for the money, and Taslim's son will give her this purse as an act of charity. Then his son will call Taslim and tell him all about it. The next day, Taslim's son does call and tell him the story. He says, to quote, After filling oil in the car, I saw a purse there. There was no one around. There were lots of dollars in it. I kept it in my car. On the next crossroads, on the red signal, an old woman was standing. She came and asked for money. I gave her the purse and then moved on. So I was really scratching my head about this, like pondering how this went down. Yeah, I, I can't really imagine that scenario. Well, especially in a, you know, a completely different country. Mm. You know what I mean? If it was in the same town, you could see that, you know, given somebody some money to set it up. But it's quite, it's quite an amazing setup to, you know, have someone what pretends place a, a a wallet and do all this kind of stuff in in florida when you live in india seems kind of really strange yeah it would seem like magic yeah so i mean the only thing i could think is it i reckon it was an event that had already happened and mr jabber had heard about it before taslim and almost pitched it as a paranormal prediction even though it had already happened Oh, that's clever. I mean, I've no idea, but... Oh, so we never learn how it happens. Never learn, never right. goes into any detail about how it was done. Okay. Um, so, yeah, it's a bit of a kind of head-scratcher as you read the book, going, well, that sounds like, you know, if somebody had pitched that as a premonition story, you'd go, well, that seems really believable. So I, I yes. don't know. I mean, if it was part of the scam... Uh, I guess Mr. Jabber would have done this to give him some paranormal credibility, you know, to keep this illusion of him being this magical man, you know. It's um, 
it's a very, very clever individual to have done that. I wonder how you would have got previous knowledge. I guess you could have... I mean, in modern times, I guess you could read it on a social media site or something. Yeah. And I don't want to cast aspersions at Taslim's brother, but he seemed the start of all this. So I did wonder whether there was some connection there. But again, the book doesn't go into any of that. It's pure speculation. Oh, okay. Now, Taslim still has not had his dodgy knee fixed, um, which is why he poached Jabber in the first place. But that was about to change, Ben. Tas- oh. Taslim and his family are called to Mr. Jabber's house for treatment. And what is described is this incredibly ritualistic and kind of almost magical event. Jabber turns into Big Boss and starts quoting from the Quran. He starts to rub rice into the area where Taslim has pain. There's this weird thing where Big Boss starts to magically pull things from his mouth, including needles, threads, stones, and he repeats the whole process on Taslim's wife as well. Well, that's quite an old fakir trick, that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure a magician would go, well, that's quite easy to do. Yeah. But... In the book, Taslim claims that this process cured his pain and it's never returned. Well, yes. I mean, if you believe it, then... But, well, don't give it away, but you'd have to believe it forever, I suppose. Mm. Unless there's, you know... Again, some interesting psychology at play there. I mean, the, the mind is a powerful thing. You know, yeah, yeah, but you know, if you believe it, maybe it makes it happen. But like you said, it, it, yeah, was <laughs> there's this weird bit though, Ben? A couple of days after that event, slightly ironically, Mr. Jabber contacts Taslim and asks if he knows any good doctors, as Jabber's son needs a hernia operation. <laughs> that okay, that, that's an awkward call, yeah, yeah, you would think, wouldn't you? It shows the the you know the chutzpah of it all um so one of taslim's best friends happens to be a doctor and he puts the two of them in touch and through what seems like clever manipulation and slightly paying taslim and his friend off against each other mr jabber manages to get the surgery done for free (laughs) (laughs) well who'd have thunk it (laughs) and then starts to plow this new relationship um to quote taslim now Mr. Jabber had a place to stay and get his people treated at a reduced rate. In fact, the situation got worse for Taslim's friend, Dr. Gaius, as he also fell for the same scams that Taslim did. And he started by paying Jabber to speak to his dead parents. Oh, no. So he's getting roped in. So, so, so far... Taslim through Jabber has spoken to Big Boss, his mother, and his father, but the conversations are about to get a lot mightier, Ben. Mightier? To quote Taslim, one night Mr. Jabber called from Calcutta. God would like to talk to you, he said. <laughs> oh, okay, put him on. <laughs> it's, Taslim said it surprised him. How is it possible? <laughs> But he says, this is quite funny, but with a view to get rid of the theatrics of Mr. Jabber, I said, OK. About five minutes later, he telephoned again. I picked up the phone. The voice, God basically, asked, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> well, you tell me. Yeah. Well, it, uh, Taslim says, well, it, 
It is God's grace. Um, God then says, my blessing is on you. You will go to Calcutta for two days. Big Boss will take care of the expenses. Jabba will reach Sahasa Station by train the day after tomorrow. You come along with him by the same train. He will reach with a ticket for you. You will not face any problems. Okay, Taslim says. <laughs> no, I have to say, it's not the most mm. inspiring first conversation with God. It's not what I expected him to say. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, it's not his greatest work. No. Well, basically, Ben, the trip was about getting Taslim to meet more people who wanted to work at Coal India. Oh, my life. <laughs> Finally... Taslim starts to suspect that something is a bit fishy with all the meetings. Finally, <laughs> Finally yeah. The penny drops with people wanting to work in the coal industry. He attends a meeting with Jabba and a number of men there start complaining that they've given Jabba money, but their jobs at Coal India had not materialised. Has he got a customer service? <laughs> Has he got an AI helper? Yeah. I've, yeah. Yeah. So this is, I mean, this is the bit that I was referring to before. This is where the rubber hits the road. So he's already presented like a spokesman for coal. And now when they're like, well, come on then, develop the job. This is usually where the trickster disappears. You would think, wouldn't you? <laughs> he, he doesn't. Okay. He, well, he has got God on his side. You would sure. think it was a light bulb moment. But no, Mr. Jabber manages to talk him round. He tells Taslim that it was a misunderstanding between Jabba and Big Boss, that he, Jabba, had thought that Big Boss had signed off the tickets for these guys to get the jobs, but Big Boss said he hadn't. Oh, it's all in the back office. (laughs) Jabba then plays the sympathy card, saying Big Boss is really angry with him, he's scared of him, talks about how difficult it can be to work with him, how sometimes he makes mistakes and sometimes Big Boss makes mistakes, but they're going to sort it all out. I mean, couldn't Big Boss just go, all right, fine, we'll do the jobs? (laughs) You think, right? Especially if he's got a hotline to God, right? Right. I mean, that that would sort everything out. Look, I'm really sorry, but as a gesture of goodwill... So, well, Ben, I wouldn't say that Taslim totally buys this excuse, but it's certainly enough to keep their relationship going. A month later, Taslim gets a call from Big Boss, basically saying that he has to help these people get jobs at Coal India. Well, actually, it's he just launches in with, have you signed the paperwork yet? <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, that is probably the person that question, though, right, after yeah, what's happened? Yeah. When Taslim says he knows nothing about it, Big Boss gets angry and basically starts to berate Jabba for not informing him properly. Jabba told me you'd sign them all off, that kind of stuff. Uh-huh, uh-huh, right. So this is reverse psychology. This is not my fault, it's all your fault. Yeah, yeah. Now, it's not long after this that Big Boss reveals to Taslim who he really is. <gasps> who is he? Well, he says, now... I'll tell you my true identity. It's Bob Monkhouse, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know why I said that. <laughs> Everybody knows me as Big Boss. Oh, yeah. But I am the Archangel Gabriel. Oh, for goodness sake. <laughs> He's not, though, is he? <laughs> I don't think he is, no. <laughs> I don't think he is. <laughs> I know he's not. <laughs> he tells Taslim to tell no one except his wife. Oh, don't tell anyone. <laughs> yeah. He's Archangel Gabriel. Great, yeah. Now, perhaps because Taslim is becoming more sceptical. <laughs> Don't tell anyone I'm Archangel Gabriel. <laughs> Apart from your wife. 
<laughs> can I get can I get an autograph? Yeah. <laughs> Best wishes, Gabriel. Oh man, what is going on? Yeah, well, well Taslim's scepticism starts to increase. Not least because people start phoning him at home asking for their paperwork for their new non-existent jobs. Oh, no. (laughs) This poor guy. But in an attempt to kind of keep them on board, Jabber and Big Boss start promising Taslim and his doctor friend all kinds of riches, such as new houses and cars. There's this really funny bit where Jabber asks Taslim what kind of car he wants, and Taslim basically says he's not that fussed, he doesn't mind. And Jabber insists that he picks a good one. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine he's got he's come up, he's got catalogues under his yeah. arm. Well, Taslim sells for Hyundai Santa Fe, if you're interested, but Does he? Yeah. I mean, that's that is quite a good car. It's a big, big four by four, isn't it, it? Yeah, it is. I mean, if you're gonna ask God for a car, I'm fine. I mean, it's a perfectly I've just got a seven year warranty. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you would <laughs> Yeah. Oh yeah, that'd be a great ad for it, wouldn't it? God said it's got a seven year warranty. Ah, <laughs> uh, man alive, this is just getting more and more ridiculous. But does surely by now, surely like, is his ambivalence about what car? Is he just like, it's not going to happen, so it doesn't matter? Well, I was thinking about this because your natural reaction is to go, this is ridiculous, how could he not see this coming? But I think that is discounting the psychology of it. I was yeah. I was making an analogy, because I was thinking about the book, I, you know, you know this when you're reading a book and you're researching, you, you're kind of ambling about your day thinking about it. I was thinking about it when I bought a lottery ticket. (laughs) Oh, I see where you're going, yeah. And you think about it, it's like, there's not a hope in hell that I'm going to win the Euro Millions lottery and get 65 million. I still bought the ticket. I still bought the ticket because it just might be me. You know what I mean? But it's, it's the same psychological. But you can be sure plane. that it will be someone. But like, equally with this, you can be sure no, no get one's you. getting a high and Santa Fe. No, I, I agree. But you know what I mean? It's the same driver. I still, when I check those numbers, there's a moment when I think I've gonna, I'm, I've won. I know, I know. And that is, you know, if you think about just that moment, that's ridiculous. But that shows the psychological motivation that can be exploited, you know, especially if you are a spiritual person. Do you know what I mean? When when the lottery first came out, the very first week, I bought a ticket to play. And I remember thinking to myself, well, probably no one else is going to play, so I'm probably going to win. Right. Even though the results are being broadcast live on primetime television on the biggest television channel in the UK, <laughs> no one else will be playing. I was genuinely disappointed when I didn't win. Well, it's funny, though, because I, um, I did know someone who won the lottery twice, the UK one. What, the full amount? I think they won the first time they won the full amount. And then the second time, it was like one of the major prizes. It wasn't the the ultimate one. But, you know, we're talking a lot of dosh that they won. I think we've had that discussion before because I said, would you really play? Again. Again. I think if you won the big one, you'd just go, well, that's that's fine. That's all I need. A million doesn't get you far these days, does it? No, it depends how much the jackpot was. These yeah. days, they tend to be like 15 or 20. But even if you won a million, I think I'd go, well, the chances of me winning another million are slim. Yeah, no, I agree. 
Well, uh, although so you you told me, do you remember you did that story about the um, the Australian who won twice? That was good. Yeah, that was an amazing story. He yeah. won once on a scratchy, and then the film crew turned up to make him recreate the moment, and he won again on a scratchy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's I think it was amazing. something like a hundred thousand Australian dollars both. Time. No, it was a car first time round and a hundred thousand dollars second time round. Yeah, that's fantastic. That is a great story. Well, that wasn't the outcome for Taslim. Oh. Unsurprisingly, these houses and cars never materialised. He just got a picanto. So, you know, I guess we're, we're covering this, but you would think that Taslim might cut off connections with Mr Jabber at this point. You would think. But no. In fact, he gets roped into talking to more people about the coal industry. Oh, my life. <laughs> this is so ridiculous. Now He's going to get in trouble at work on this. Well, I, he doesn't go into that. I did wonder that. Um, he, I mean, he's retired now, it says in the book, from the coal industry. So I don't know if this was part of his uh, reason for retiring. But the promises of riches keep coming, with Jabber at one point claiming that an associate of his had deposited $250,000 in Taslim's account. When Taslim points out the money isn't there, Jabber becomes, Jabber becomes angry and says that he's been ripped off by his associate, which, Ben, you may have guessed it, this associate is just Jabber acting as another character. Oh, oh of course it is. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's his fault. Uh, does, he, does he do this thing where he, like, puts on a false beard or anything, or does he just... It's just voices, I think. Oh, he doesn't change his clothes or anything? No, no. That's a shame. That would have been good. Okay. So, once again, it's one of his alter egos is their fault. Yeah, and talking about that kind of influence of things like the lottery, there's this amazing bit in the book where Taslim challenges Jabber about all the things that he's been promised. And Jabber asks him to make a list of what's been promised and he would make sure he'd sort it out with Big Boss. Now, I'm going to read the list as it highlights the amount of non-existent carrots that were dangled in front of Taslim's eyes. Are they all South Korean cars? There's a lot of cars in here. Oh, no. <laughs> he was promised a house and a car in a place called Patna, two houses and cars in Delhi. <laughs> two? It gets bigger. A house, a car, and a hotel in Bangalore. <laughs> Hang on, he's not talking uh, Monopoly here, is he? <laughs> yeah. no. Land in Sapur, land, a house, a car, and a hotel in Musafapur, two houses and cars in Switzerland, houses and cars in Medina, the UAE and St. Petersburg, and bank deposits of $12 million. Oh, he doesn't need any of the high and eyes then if he's getting $12 million. <laughs> well, you would think, but this is where it's just so bonkers. Jabber promises he's going to sort all this out, right? He's going to get his list sorted out. But in the meantime... He tells Taslim that his Santa Fe car is ready. No. But there's a problem with the paperwork. <laughs> uh, what, the registration document? It or? doesn't say. So Taslim and his doctor friend, who's also been promised the same car, ends up handing over more money to Jabba to try and sort out the problem with the paperwork. Oh, boy. And a few days later, both Taslim and his friend, Dr. Gaius, are summoned by Jabba to his house. He becomes Big Boss, who tells them that God wants to speak to them both. <laughs> the conversation goes like this. 
God says, How are you? My mercy is on you. God then asks the men to write on some paper. Then, what it seems like another magic trick, God manages to produce <laughs> the total sum in rupees of a $5 bill <coughs> each for the men between the bits of paper. So they, this, this $5, you know, or whatever the equivalent in rupees suddenly appears in the book to them. I mean, this is getting ridiculous now. Now, God also at this point tells Dr. Gaius his ticket has now been approved and the doctor hands over a relatively large sum of money to Jabba for the privilege. Uh. Now, <laughs> Taslim is finally getting more suspicious. Weirdly, bit, I don't think it's the lack of action from Jabba on the things he promised or the re- realisation that in some ways being used to help scam people into paying for non-existent jobs at coal mining companies. I think what really tips Taslim over the edge was this conversations with God. As a religious man, he questioned whether God would act in this way, and he feels really uncomfortable about it. So Taslim starts to ignore Mr Jabber's big bosses and even God's phone calls. But Mr Jabber then starts using Taslim's friend, Dr. Gaia to try and re-engage with Taslim. So there's this whole thing where his doctor friend would phone Taslim and just start a conversation, say, oh, I've got somebody who needs to speak to you, and then hand over the phone to Big Boss. I see, yes. But you'll be pleased to hear, Ben, eventually both Taslim and his doctor friend finally cut ties with Mr. Jabber. Now, during their dealings with Mr. Jabber, both men had handed over thousands of dollars, giving Mr. Jabber board and lodgings, free medical treatment, and had been unwittingly roped into scamming others for their money. How did it, how did it unravel for, for all the other people who were doing that? Did all the victims sort of work out that they were being scammed together? or? Yeah, it, it, again, reading between the lines of the book and how it's how the whole thing is set up you know big boss seems like this incredible jabber seems like this incredibly almost charismatic salesman who i guess like any scam just you know keeps going until it's found out and then you know you never hear from them again but he's almost so ingrained in the community that there's a whole new group of people he can work on. Do you know what I mean? There'll be another Taslim out there he's he's working on, you would think, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, it is a horrible thing to happen to somebody. And I guess this guy doesn't sound like an idiot. So No, no I, I, I will come on to that a bit. I just wanted to end by reading Taslim's own words in the conclusion of the book because he in a way this is the part of the book where he tries to clear up stuff I'm not sure he does but it's interesting to hear in his own words he says whenever I talk with Big Boss it was through Mr Jabber while speaking with Big Boss the tone of Mr Jabber's speech used to be different he used to cough I talked to 15 or 16 men of Big Boss's group through Jabber so there were 15 or 16 different characters he would t- <laughs> the tone of each of them was different he should have gone into theatre 
and this again maybe this was a bit of a hint on what you were saying about um the treatment for his knee and whether he he had to believe he says maybe this is what he's getting at but the translation's not there he says whenever big boss did treatment on me it was useful but whenever he treated for the sake of treatment it was not effective now i'm not sure what that means but it may it, that may ca- tie into some kind of belief that it's working right that's the psychology of it isn't it yeah. yes When Big Boss told me his identity as Archangel Gabriel, I did not believe because Archangel Gabriel could never support an an individual like Mr Jabber who was getting money from illegal means. Most of the time, Mr Jabber speaks lies and takes pleasure in calling himself Baba, Godman. He always threatened people on the name of Big Boss. He plays with the lives of others by assuring them to get them admitted to college with the help of Big Boss. It was uncalled for when Mr Jabber asked poor men to reach Calcutta for employment by giving up their work. This is sad as well. People were engaged in small businesses or work for their families. Now they were waiting for Mr Jabber's so-called job. I told him, it's not fair. You should have called them only when you had an employment letter in your hand. When Big Boss was, has promised, they will get the job, he responded with firm conviction. Another strange fact I noticed that whenever he had his work from anybody, he never hesitated to deceive that fellow by stating, I will give you a few millions of rupees or a flat or land through Big Boss. His style of narration was like that. Take this slip, you will get half a million rupees in a flat. His narration was always different for different people depending on their social and economic conditions. Uh, is the archetypal... Um, a con artist. Once Mr. Jabber informed me that Big Boss deposited 10 million rupees in my and my wife's account, which never was deposited. Likewise, he promised that other man, a high court advocate, and his friend, he will give them 20 million rupees for their business. They took a loan from the bank on his assurance and lost their business. Oh, no. He always tells about an, an unfamiliar individual, so I'm, I assume he's meaning this person that he's never seen to whom with the aid of big boss he has given a mansion car and stacks of money but that individual could not keep it due to his misconduct and wasting it this sentence was his catchphrase and I, again i'm reading between the lines on that but i think that's basically saying you'll get all these riches and i know a man who got all these riches but then he turned away from me and he lost it all that's what i read from that Ah, uh-huh, i see right yes Yes, I mean, that's the ultimate um, threat of these people. That's what keeps them sort of suckling on the teat of hope with it. He says, I'm not, I know he must be applying this catchphrase for our stories too in his unique style. I am narrating it here so that one can understand that whatever they can get, they can only get from God. And he closes the book with some more philosophical words. He says, Life is a beautiful journey. It's like a sugar in a cup of tea or coffee. Sweetness is nothing but an individual's choice. Uh, That is very philosophical. Oh, poor guy. But this is what happens if you... I mean, it seemed... Well, I'm not... How real did it seem at the beginning? I guess it must have felt very real to him. And very interesting that um, he refers to them as invisible people. Mm. And 
what he really means is like a great actor. Yes, and and Taslim only really hints at it being a scam. Do you know what I mean? I mean, you've heard in his words, it's not a direct this guy scammed me and I'm you know, there there's there's still come some kind of reverence there. Maybe he's had to do that to get the book written. I don't know. Or to uh, sort of get it through in his own head. Maybe, yeah. Now, I was thinking, it, I mean, it's easy to say that he was just gullible. You know, that India is a country steeped in religion and spirituality. But that negates a long history of people falling for spiritualized scammers all over the world, whether it's scam preachers in the US or fake mediums in the UK. You know, the stories are littered, right? Yeah. I mean, I was fascinated by the psychology of the scam, especially how Taslim reacts differently to Jabber when he takes on that big pers- big boss persona. Mm. Uh, that just really stuck with me. I mean, it's even down to the point that, in the foreword of the book, Tasmin asked Big Boss's permission to write the book. He doesn't say he asked Mr. Jabbers. Do you know what I mean? So it's so powerful that, isn't it? That, you know, I mean, imagine that. If you're talking to me now and then suddenly I say I'm someone else and you start reacting to me in a completely different way. That's just incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm. It sort of, it shows you that he's done it before. Yeah, yeah. Um. I was also struck by how scams involving the paranormal can allow for more scope for the scammer. I was thinking about, you know, the traditional dating scam. Someone strikes up an online relationship. The scammer begins by asking for a little and then it gets more and more. You know, it might start with, oh, I need some money. My sister's ill. Do you know what I mean? And then it's like, oh, I've got these legal. And they just keep going, right, until it stops. But I guess with paranormal scams, certainly this one, they can become really complex and confusing. Now, I'm, I'm not saying that all spiritual mediums are scammers. However, the nature of the paranormal with no definitive answers, you know, the kind of things we grapple with on a weekly basis, mm. I wonder if that just gives a scammer a rich opportunity to exploit people on kind of different levels and through many different angles. Do you know what I mean? Well, you had that story of the the witch who was... Um, convicted but yeah exactly and that's I I was thinking about her as well do you know Mm. what I mean I mean it felt yeah and then I was also thinking my approach to that book and this book are very different you know what I mean I had some empathy we were almost saying well she's just a great businesswoman and she's providing a service for the community you know what when do you become someone who's doing that and elevate yourself to the level of you know, an exploitative scammer. I guess it's when you keep going and the money keeps going up and up and up, you know what I mean? And roping you into other scams that you're not even aware of, like talking to people about the jobs at the coal industry. It's it's another level, do you know what I mean? Well, if you're interested in the book, it is called An Encounter with Invisible People. It's by Mohammed Taslim. Like I said earlier, I I wouldn't say it's an easy read or a holiday page turner. (laughs) I would treat it as almost a first-person statement that you might find or an interview you might find in an academic paper. Do you know what I mean? It's that kind of thing. Right, right, right. So it's interesting, but you have to work at it to kind of get something out of it. Um, You can pick up copies uh, on Amazon UK in the UK, paperback copies for about five quid. So um, I think obviously the Kindle versions will be even cheaper. 
I almost feel that <laughs> I'm pleased I've managed to give at least a fiver back to Taslim with all the money he's lost over the years. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, what an intriguing... It's a cautionary tale, isn't it? It really is because it's... it's I think it plays on those themes of, we've discussed before, the part of you that wants to believe. Do you know what I mean? And if that's wrapped up... Uh, not just in religion, but religion, spirituality, you know, the promise of a cure, wealth, whatever it is, you, when it comes to paranormal subjects, it's quite difficult to disprove it. If somebody says they're going to get you a Santa Fe car and it doesn't materialise, it's it's harder to keep that scam going. Mm. But if someone says, look, I'm trying to arrange for you to talk with your you know dead parent then it's easier you know we're getting there i feel something you know what i mean there's so much scope to make it more complex and believable especially if you have a little bit of skill in magic Mm, yeah yeah definitely yeah yeah all of that um string stuff at the beginning it's all it's bringing you into the world isn't it that's what it's about yeah it's uh it's the magicians look this way not that way yeah very good. I, well, I thought it was worth covering because, you know, we cover a lot of stories um, where we go, God, there's something strange and paranormal going here. This is certainly, you know, I feel we need to reflect that sometimes people can get scammed or um, led down a path which isn't good for them or not, or nice. You know what I mean? I think yeah. it's important we highlight those. Again, not saying that everybody out there who's a shaman or a spiritualist or a medium is like that of course I'm not I mean we've talked many a time about positive experiences but just be wary of the negative experiences and yes you know always have a little bit of skepticism at the back of your mind I guess is what I'd say of course of course yes yes one one always must yeah so speaking of skepticism yeah um <laughs> we've had a few people with some Sherlock updates Oh yes, I saw them. There's, there's, there's. Yeah, I've not had a chance to go through them. I don't know if you've had yet. They looked on first looking really interesting. I think it connects with um, the episode I did where on Tolpamancers and I was talking a lot about Tibet and Buddhism and this. I'm sure a lot connected to that. But should we get into that and, next? And, week? and also the the uh, the Blue Cross. Yes, not the animal charity. The 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 Blue Cross that we were told to look out for. Yes, let's look at them properly and cover them because I've had a few more people tell me on private messages that they've had things happening with Sherlock. So let's get back to the Tulpa Project next week. Yeah, we'll do proper. a proper update. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um. Uh, <laughs> It seems it seems weird. It's funny. I was thinking about this. I was going to say, if you'd like to become a Patreon, come and check us out at patreon.com forward slash TQM pod. But feels a little bit strange to ask for money during this episode. But um, we can't promise you health, wealth and uh, houses or even a, a Kia Santa Fe. But um, we can promise you early access to our podcast episodes and some exclusive content and you'll be helping us out. Absolutely, and um, the lovely community that's happening there. Yeah, I really love the you know the exchanges and the chats that are going on there. It's really good. It's yeah, thank you very much. So very much so, and some interesting. We've discovered there are some more people 
discovering our content on YouTube. Not that it's necessarily always video content at the moment, it's just the... Um, the audio feed but interestingly there's new people new listeners joining us all the time which is very very lovely to see yeah yes please tell your friends okay well look we will be back next week with more strange stories from the paranormal see you next time bye bye the quantum mechanics